0: Welcome to Real Money Talks, real strategies from the moneymakers and the world changers that you can use to make millions, keep those millions, multiply your wealth, and build your team. Here's your host, author of five New York Times bestsellers, money expert on Dr. Phil, CNN, CNBC, The Street TV, Fox News, and The View, Laurel Langmire Hi, this is Laurel. Welcome back to
1: Laurel's Real Money Talks. A podcast where we talk about how to make money, how to keep it, how to invest it, and you've got to have the right team. So at any time during any of our podcasts, go to asklaural.com or you can ask me a question, you can make a request, you can ask me to invite you to a private conversation with any of our guests on the podcast and uh, myself. So that's dot is where you would direct any of your questions or comments or make some requests of things you're going to need in the money conversation. So, today I have with me John Ferguson. He is extraordinary. He's been in uh, high ticket sales for over 18 years, has an awesome system called iRise. And high ticket sales and premium sales and how to keep that customer is just an extraordinary technique. So, John, talk a little bit about just how you got into uh, high ticket sales and sales as a way to just, I mean, I'm going to say 10X businesses. It's just vital.
2: Yeah, certainly. Thanks, Laurel. I appreciate uh, you inviting me on the podcast and have an opportunity to teach some of these things to your audience. You know, how I first got involved in in this business was was kind of funny. I actually had met you. This is years ago at a symposium where you were speaking uh, about Live Out Loud and some of your first trainings you did. And I was actually a, a young entrepreneur, business development side of real estate investing. And I got into real estate investing and I quickly found that I didn't have the proper system set up in sales for the high end products and processes that I needed. And so I needed to dive into that business. And I went on about a two year personal development track into sales, into marketing and learning the ins and out of speaking from the stage and selling from stage to network marketing even. And then finally falling in love with high ticket sales over the telephone and even in person, but mainly lately, it's been just a phenomenal whirlwind of about 18 years helping influencers, including myself, uh, in the business of high ticket sales over the telephone.
1: And John, I think a lot of people think this is only for your, you know, big big companies or specific kinds of companies. So, talk about just getting started. Who's this for? I mean, personally, I would say it's for everyone. But you know, I always say I always have the big yes energy around that. So, tell us who's this for. When should they get started?
2: Right. So this is for... Uh, I hate to say everybody because it's not. And it's only for the people who want to alleviate themselves from being the salesperson in their business. One of my recent clients, phenomenal speaker, and entrepreneur, a phenomenal coach, would find themselves bogged down in their mental capacity to help people in what they were serving them in their services and products because they spend more time on on selling. Now, we all know that we have to sell. That's the lifeblood of our business. We have to enroll new clients and students and people into our business or we don't make any money and we can't continue to serve. But when sales becomes difficult is you've got to make the money, but then you also have to serve the clients you have. So for the people that want to free themselves from having to be the salesperson all the time, and at the same time, being the coach and the trainer... This is where this comes into play. Is for that person who wants to go to the next level on their entrepreneurial journey and serve more people and focus on what matters, and that is serving the client. And so this type of sales is good for anyone who literally wants to go to the next level. If you have a business and you're doing well and you have clients and you're either speaking or you're doing opt-ins on like social media, the goal would be is to take these skill sets. Like a telemarketing system uh, I don't just teach the sales skills there's plenty of people teaching sales like you don't need another sales trainer. My job is when I help people is I come in and we go from marketing to product to sales team and we find out where the breakage is and we develop a system that makes sense for that individual and so you can go from one person who's in your sales department to 30 people who are in your sales department to 300 people uh, in your sales department. But if they don't match with marketing, if they don't match with the product and your message of your company, it's not going to work very well. So who is this for and who can use this? I've helped companies that are network marketing companies. That's, you know, for the layperson, is more of like an MLM. Can you believe that? MLM leaders using sales closers to close people over the phone into their products and services I've helped individual influencers in the financial industry for like stocks and, and real estate coaches to the fitness industry, to individuals who are doctors and attorneys. I've got a dentist who I've worked with, chiropractor and CPAs who need sales teams that are highly proficient in working with people, but not creating a lot of drama with, you know, I think one of the fears too is, is that, well, if I got somebody else doing my sales, how do I maintain customer quality and service and they're going to give the right message. And so who's this for is really for that type of person who wants to go to that next level and create a system that is system-dependent versus having to worry about over-promising and under-delivering. But there are a lot of industries that this does work for.
1: So specifically, you know, there's someone, you know, off the street with no experience, right? I mean, do they have to have experience? What's the level of, I would say, experience, need for uh, how do you start the sales system?
2: Everyone's heard the phrase... You can't teach an old dog new tricks, right? Well, I agree with that and I don't agree with that. What I agree with is that if the person is locked into their habit and they're not willing to change those habits or grow or go to the next level, then yeah, of course, that person's not good for this. But if that person is coachable and teachable and really willing to learn and go to the next level, then that person's going to let go of some bad habits. It might be a little bit of a struggle at first to move to the next level. Teaching someone to unlearn bad habits is sometimes more difficult than teaching you from the very beginning. And so sometimes finding somebody who is new to sales, like sales, maybe a better personality, they enjoy people is probably the best bet. Someone who's completely green to this type of environment, you can teach them from the very beginning to do the right things, create the right habits, use the right skill sets. And then start from there, and you, I find that that person is up and running, making money, serving the business a lot quicker and faster. Sometimes than the person who has created a lot of bad habits in their sales career and is just unwilling to to get rid of the crutch because they've been able to rely on it and just you know bulldoze their way into into an income. Well, I like to teach my guys, you know, work your way into a lifestyle. You know, as a salesperson with these sales systems, you can literally you become the prize for the large company and you are also the prize for the small organizations or even working for yourself. And so that's really the focus is is if it's for large companies, sure, this does work, but your individuals have to work well. You don't have to have a lot of experience. If you do have experience, you just have to be coachable and teachable. And the person off the street that wants to get into the industry, uh, who maybe doesn't have a company that they're working with, but they want to learn sales, again, those three personality types, it all depends on how coachable and open minded you are to, to learning and growing.
1: So John, talk about just the elements. What's needed to get a system like this? When you, when you say system, I mean, there's a technical component, as you know, for the follow-up and the tracking of the leads. There's the setter. There's the closer. So, just talk about the elements so everyone that's listening on our podcast can really get a sense of what we're talking about.
2: Yeah, certainly. So a lot of times entrepreneurs, your audience is most likely in business or looking to start a business for themselves. Uh, Maybe they've been doing this for quite a while. So they have some type of a system already in place. And so for that person, if you've got phones and you're you're using online systems or you've got a, a phone room already or you're using your cell phone or you have an assistant that's using their phone. You can do all this from a cell phone. One of the things I would like a technical piece of, I guess one of those items you would always have to have is a noise canceling headset. I know it's kind of funny, but there is one. Let me tell you what it is. It's a Blue Parrot uh, VXI 450. That's the Blue Parrot VXI 450. That headset has saved me a million times. It's actually a headset they use in trucking. (laughs) that's, That's the funny thing is you'll see truckers wearing them. They got this big boom mic that comes around the front of their mouth. It may look goofy, but that headset has made me millions of dollars. And there's people that I've worked with millions of dollars because it literally cancels the noise out from work. And we know as busy professionals, especially new and -and up-and-coming entrepreneurs, you don't always have the time to sit in your office. Sometimes you're moving and shaking. You're going to the next meeting or the next environment. You've got to get on the phone sometimes while you're in your car. You might be at a hotel because you're at a conference and you're learning. You're leveling yourself up. And there's all this noise around you, but you've got to take a sales call. You've got to make money while you're moving and shaking. This headset has done that. I've gone. I've taken my kids to Disneyland with this thing, the Dumbo ride screaming around, and I am on closing sales in the park at Disneyland. And you can imagine the noises going on there, and the client on the other end had no idea. So That's that would awesome.
1: be. We repeat that one more time. Just what's the uh,
2: the headset? Yeah, it's the uh, uh, Blue Parrot VXI four hundred and fifty. I've had the 250, the 350, the 450, and they've got a new one out. But the 350 and 450 have been my favorite, and uh, yeah, they're about ninety nine dollars to 150 bucks on Amazon. So oh,
1: that's awesome. So, what other elements? I kind of interrupted you, but I wanted you to repeat that because you're making a a huge point about it.
2: Yeah. So the biggest thing is is you know if you are your salesperson deploying simple things like that to make it more professional and the client feel safe. Now, here's the other thing is is you also asked the question of some of the technical things. Well, what are some of the elements to the sales process? One of the first elements is you have to understand your marketing, number one. Okay. Who is your audience? Who are you talking to? And what's that initial message that went out to them that got them to call you, got them to email you, got them to show up at your event? You have to maintain that integrity of what that first initial step is. So number one, know your message, know your audience. Step number two, is you always want to qualify that prospect coming into your system, that lead, the person that wants to work with you. I know a lot of us get really excited when someone says, oh my gosh, I loved your speech. I want to work with you. And you're like, oh yeah, I got a sale. No, you don't. Because as soon as you go into, hey, buy my stuff, that kills that relationship you just started. What you have to do is distance yourself from wanting the money and wanting to close the sale into more of a, hey, I'm looking to work and build a longer term relationship than just having you buy my package, even if you do just want to sell the package, okay? Even if that's all they want to buy. We have to establish some rules in this process. So the first one is understanding that. Second one is you have to ask the questions that allow you to qualify this person you're going to, there's three levels of questions. There's broad-based questions, there's intermediate questions, and pointed questions. Broad-based, intermediate, and pointed. These three levels of questions allow you to get right down to the purpose of what this person is actually looking for. Everyone, when you say, hey, what are you doing here? Well, I want to make more money in my business. Well, duh. Everyone wants to make more money in their business. and Duh. But that's not why they're there, guys. You have to dig deeper on those questions. And then the third thing is, is that, that qualification process. Okay, well, I understand here's what you want. You get it. They give you a roadmap to, to what they're after. And then lastly is your sales process. It can be a setter, like Laurel, you said. Uh, it can be a closer. I've had it where the closer is also the setter. The scripting is a little bit different. So you don't have to have a setter and a closer. Well, we kind of call that an intro close. It's an individual that's doing the whole process. You can have one setter per closer. You can have multiple people who do uh, the initial outreach calls. You can have the closer, which this is the one I love the most, is the person who's actually taking the money over the phone and closing the sale actually does an intro call. There's about two to five minutes that says, hey, look, we're looking to consider a few people for this program or our fitness program or our business, and and we want you a part of our team, but I need to have somebody talk to you first, kind of go through an initial interview process, get to know you better, understand your situation, see if we can even help you. And if you qualify and you, you work, we can work with us. You can you have the opportunity to work with us, but that's something you'd want to do. That setup call creates the opportunity for that second person, that tandem in like a volleyball match, you've got those you know two-on-two two matches. That person now gets to come in and set up the set the closer back. So it gets a little confusing. So you have the person A is the closer, person B is the center. Person A does an outreach call first, kind of a customer service call. and offers the first invitation into the opportunity without selling anything. Number two, person B now calls with a preset appointment for about 30 minutes of just interviewing, finding out goals, focuses, expectations, financial information, where these people want to be, show them some of their limitations, where they're at so they can actually help them. That is all categorized on paper and documented for now the closer passed off to 45 minute phone call and then you're enrolling into a fifty, sixty, a hundred thousand dollar program. Does this work for programs that are a thousand, five thousand, six thousand? Yes, of course. Does it work for the programs that are fifty dollars to two hundred dollars? Yes, but you don't have to go through that long of a process. It's more of a 30 to 45 minute phone call. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, it totally does, John. And so talk about the pros and cons of closing for yourself. I mean, ideally, you know, this system and you know, you put it together, I put these together as a way to replace yourself and as the owner, you know, move to the sideline. I mean, I still take closing calls. I still do a lot of that, but for somebody that's listening, that's more beginning in the space. I mean, what's their pros and cons of them being that person A and taking the close?
2: Certainly. So the, the pros and cons of this, the pro is that you don't have to share the revenue in the beginning, right? I mean, you've got more revenue. If you can close you can hop on the phones, the revenue comes into you as you're building the business. The con to that, though, is a lot of people are trying to be an influencer and they feel that they have to be seen in a certain light. If you're also presenting the information and then closing at the information, let's say from the front of the room, then it looks a little odd when you get down from the stage and you run to the back of the room and you pull out your applications. Right. And you're the one handing them out. But in the beginning, it's something you might have to do. And so you can use an online application that people can go to. Now you're capturing email and, and phone numbers. What I like to do in the very beginning, if I am doing this for myself, is I don't sell anything from the front of the room. Or if I do, I'm going to give you two scenarios. One, if I've got one product, one program, one coaching solution that I want to give to people, then I am not going to sell it from the front of the room. I'm going to give my presentation free. I'm going to give them a lot of great content on you know, why they should be doing things, some of the how. And then at the end of the presentation is, hey, if we want to continue this conversation, if we want to continue working together, I've got a few questions for you. One, two, three, four, right? You throw out a few questions that are, hey, you know, if we were to work together, what would your perfect you know, uh, solution look like? If I was to bring you aboard my team and I was able to help you, what would you like to get out of it as an outcome? And so I'd gather those four questions. I'd have them write them down. And then I'd have them fill out an application to talk to me later and say, hey, look, I will personally go through an interview with you because I am the one that's going to coach you. I am the one that's going to help you. I pay more attention to my business than I could have anybody else. So This is the, the language you would use in the beginning of your business to set up that sale so that you still maintain integrity and posture. Where we lose posture, the con would be is that you try to sell something from the front of the room and then hop on the phone and reclose them because now you're chasing, you know, it's kind of like dating, right? Unless you're the dude, you don't want to be chased. And a lot of dudes sometimes these days don't want to be chased too much, right? And so for a guy in my perspective, because I'm a dude, I don't have any other perspective. If I was to chase the girl to get the date, she's running away, man. She's calling the cops. She's like, dude, this guy's a psycho, right? Your customers do the same thing. And so you have to have them chase you. If You have to find ways to where you're the prize. You're the one that they come after, okay? So that's the beginning person. If you are not closing your sales, the pro, again, is that you have a team to depend on. Their full focus, their whole mental capacity is now focused on sales, nothing else. They don't have to worry about becoming the marketer. They're not customer service. They are just strictly sales. And so you have a lot of energy focused in one area. And then you can focus on what matters most. That's fulfillment and generating more leads. That's your marketing department. And so you can hand this sales part off because of the systems, because of the way the scripting is. When you script this out the right way, it really adds to so in the beginning, as you're leveling up, you have to be the closer. So you know, do it the way I just described. When you're leveling out. You're now seen as the prize, as the guru, as the influencer, and your salespeople can posture you up now, and they don't have to lie. They don't have to say they've done a deal. They don't have to say that they're in the best fitness shape. All they have to do now is posture you. So the posture shifts a little in those two different elements of sales. And so, you know, whether you're starting out brand new or you're already kicking chicken, you can make it work.
1: So, John, you've talked about this is just great. So uh, deepen the conversation on the script. So how necessary is a script? Clearly, if it's you, I mean, what I teach, which I'm you know, curious on your opinion, is that it really has to be you to contribute to a lot of that initial scripting. And then going forward, if it's not you, how necessary it is for the others to hold that script.
2: Awesome. I love this question, uh, especially from professionals, because we get to a point where it's almost robotic for us where we're able to say what we want to say when we want to say it. But still, I find even in my own business, if I'm not using a script, I go, oh, crap. Wish I would have said that. Right. And for professionals that are already cruising in their business, it's not that they have to have a script because they don't know what they're saying. They don't know sales. It's that there's specific points that are engineered into a script that tug at the heartstrings, that help describe a certain situation. And then if you design your script in a way that speaks to the client, speaks to your audience, uh, even personality type sometimes that you can engineer into your script, it becomes that much more powerful. For instance, if you were going to a movie, and it was all improv, and they just said, Hey, look, let's pull out the cameras. You know, here's the script. Go ahead and peruse it, and then let's go film you know the movie Titanic, right? And you know, you've got just gibberish going on. You know, they are professional actors for a reason. Professionals use scripts, professional sports players, they use plays, they use pre-designed and engineered plays on the court, on the field, because it works. Now, do they have to have a script? No, it's in their head, it's such a habit. But the script should be there in front of you 24-7 while you're on every single call. Because every single call is the exact same and is different. What I mean by that, the individual that you're talking to is different. But the sales process and the agenda is the same. And you have to engineer it that way. And so, scripting for me, it's it's 100% of the time. Even being in the business for, for 18 years, doing this type of sale, I always have scripts in front of me. Do I follow them 100% of the time? No, but I have them there as a bullet point guideline that I can go through and see where I'm at, making sure the calls go in the right order. And then if I'm talking to a certain personality type, I can reach over to one of the seven, you know, engineered scientifically personality types and go, okay, I need to make sure that they connect on this level, right? If they, you know, connect here, I need, I can help them see and get over their own. So our job as a salesperson in this business is to literally help people get out of their own way to get the services that they need. And so that's what I see it as. It's kind of like a moral obligation for me is when I know my product can help these people succeed in life and, and get to where they want to be. It's my obligation to be a professional. And if I'm not using the script and I'm just winging it, I don't know, man. Do you think you'd want to hop in an airplane if the pilot said, we're just going to wing it this time. I checked everything yesterday. I'm not going to go through the checklist. Man, it's so boring going through this cue card. You know, everything worked yesterday. We're going to hop on the plane and we're just going to turn it on. We're going to hit the skies. Like, would you want to be in an airplane?
1: I love it. Hey, so talk about objection handling. Again, that's someplace that just for consistency, I think it's important to script them. So whether it's a closer or setter, everybody has the same conversations around objections, but so many people get freaked out with that. So how would you speak to that?
2: So one of the things that I wrote in in my book that, that's coming out, it's a phrase that I've used for the last 15 years in all of my trainings, is that great salespeople find ways to eliminate objections before they even are. Great salespeople find ways to eliminate objections before they even are. Meaning if you're getting objections, it's your fault. If I'm getting objections, then I'm either I'm disconnected somewhere as a salesperson, either from the marketing, how these people are who they are as an audience, from the product, and just knowing what their goals are. And so when it comes down to asking the proper questions, I like to call it the questions that close. And that's another process that we teach. It's one of our systems is, is teaching people to ask the right questions in the right order that enroll people. And if you can ask the right questions, because you know, there's In everyone's business, whether you're a doctor, an attorney, an influencer, a CPA, a speaker, a coach, or in fitness or in in real estate, whatever, there are specific objections you get every freaking call. And I'm telling you right now, there's a reason. There's a reason. And if you keep hitting your head against these objections every single time thinking, oh, I'm just going to handle that objection. Okay. Well, I got my, my porcupine clothes, or I've got the, you know, the, the kickback objection or the, the slam a mama jamma down, you know, objection handling, you know, sentence or whatever. That's BS. That's weak. That is weak sales. Do I tell you not to learn how to handle objections? No, because I even screw up. And so I've got to learn how to come back and loop back into my conversation the right way. That doesn't sound stupid, but most of the objections come because we haven't stayed on our script. We haven't asked the right questions to get these guys to open up to us to kind of lay out the map. And so objection handling. Yes. But first I would like to see my salespeople learn to ask the right questions, in the proper relationship where these people see them as an authority figure and the individual to, to move forward with. And so, You know, when it comes to like objections in post-secondary education and influencers and and that such is, you know, there's a time objection. There's typically um, an objection around cost and money. There's an objection uh, around being coachable and open-minded. There's, you know, those types of objections or or the one objection I love, well, I did so-and-so's program. It's just kind of like this. So why don't you just help me do X, right? Well, um, there are those objections. And, you know, the reason why we get those objections is because we haven't, one, asked the proper questions to make sure these people want to move forward with you. But the one about money, the one about time, be coachable, teachable, why don't you just turn those objections into to requirements, to expectations, rather than saving it to the end, like where you pitch all this stuff. And now they're like, uh, well, what about this? What about this? They freak out, right? So you have to eliminate the freak out session in the close. Uh, and you do that by turning... Your objections into more questions, and you get to know the person a bit better. And you lay this down, and then your your objections, those things, those fears that these people have. If you make them commitments in the process, it eliminates those objections, and, and you know you don't have to worry about them very much. So I do say yes. Learn your skill sets. If you have some objection, but first off, you'll eliminate. I'd say 99% of your objections really through questions like the cost objection. I haven't had that, that question when someone says, well, how much is it going to cost? Or the cost is too high. I haven't had that in probably 10 years.
1: Awesome. So one last question, because I know you and I could talk about this. It's our favorite subject because sales is where the money is. And all of you that are thinking, why is she doing a sales training on a money podcast? Cause that's where your money comes from. You got to sell somebody something. So talk about how you pay people. I always get this question. So, is it commissioned? Do you pay a base? Just give some ideas to those that are listening. Can think about what the, the hiring procedures and the cost is going to be.
2: Right. So, if you're looking at individuals that you're bringing in off the streets, the best people that I've ever had that have been, you know, super successful. Again, some of this is going to come down to the law. So a lot of publicly traded companies, if you are in one of those organizations and you're listening to this as a manager, you know that there's some type of minimum wage that has to be paid uh, in order to stay compliant with your HR department. Um, so that that would have to be first, right? That has to happen. But does it mean that you can't subtract that from commissions when they get cut commissions? Sure. Now, some of you guys are listening to me, oh, that's kind of dirty. Not really. There's some major corporations that give a base, but it is subtracted out of the sales once you equalize the amount of sales you've made towards that base, and so it's not a it's not a bad thing. The goal is to get your salespeople motivated by results, and results for a salesperson is closing sales to get commissions. So if you're going to give a good commission, then there really isn't a base. It's I've seen it where we do uh, for setters and you know traditional closers, it's a scale. Right at this many sales, you are gonna get this commission. If you level up to the next tier, then you get a higher percentage of commission on the sales. Then you get to the top tier. Uh the top tier is where you can get to uh, let's say for instance, you know, ten thousand dollars in a week, you make you know eight percent, uh fifteen thousand dollars in a week of sales you get, you know, 16.5%. And you, just, you have to run this algorithm in your own business to see what makes sense. And then the top tier, maybe is 25% at, you know, $30,000 sold. So there's that model. Then I do have a, a, a the, like the sales managers. They typically get a base for the individuals who are um, running the entire ship, the whole floor. Their commission is based on 100% sales of the floor, meaning they may get like a 25 to 5% override on the entire floor, and then a $75,000 to $150,000 salary. Uh, their job is to close sales with everybody on the phones. Their job is to teach and they roam, right? They're your roamer, they're your sales trainer. They dial just as much, if not more, than everybody else around them in order to earn that. So uh, there are multiple ways to do this. I think really you got to take a look at your business. What can your business handle? And then I've had people pay really inexpensive commissions. And then you, you get less advantageous salespeople, right? You don't have to have a million-dollar salesperson if, they're not, if they don't have a million-dollar work ethic. But in order to get a million-dollar salesperson who has that million-dollar work ethic, you're going to have to give them a little bit above industry standard in the industry that you are closing sales. I know that's a little difficult to, to handle that, that topic, but you know, commissions and paying people, that again, depends on what your margin's like. Uh, we'd have to look at that. We'd have to look at, are you gonna have a sales manager? How do you spiff those guys out? Are they getting a percentage of, of the whole floor? Are they getting a salary? And then everybody else below them who's working in and on the team is typically a, a tiered situation. If you're starting out with like one or two people though, uh, it can be a flat, you know, percentage of all the sales going through, and as you grow, that commission can change, and it changes over time as you add more people. But you know, in the beginning, to keep good people, it might be a flat sales commission, so it's not too technical even on you to have to manage yep. all that.
1: Yeah, I totally get it. So, John, any last words or actions you want to tell them? I know you have an Instagram they can follow you there. Some places they can follow you, and again, if you want to. Have an appointment with John. Talk to me directly. Go to laurel A S K L O R A L. dot com, and uh, we'll get you in touch. So, John, uh, let him know where to follow you and stalk you along on social media. (laughs) Sure.
2: Yeah, I I do a lot of Instagram stories. So if they want to hang out on Instagram, uh, it's John Albert Ferguson. Just uh, my name, J-O-H-N, John Albert Ferguson. Same for for Facebook. I've got a professional page where I do a lot more of my professional stuff. And then I've just got my life uh, splayed out there on uh, Facebook on my profile. So, you know, feel free to hang out and watch the show, interact. You know, you get a lot more out of it if you are taking action and interacting and asking questions. Right. That's the whole topic of this. And the biggest thing for me would be, you know, if you guys want to deploy this into your life, you know, get with Laurel. Laurel's got phenomenal system. She's been in the industry for, gosh, dude, forever. Laurel's one of my first mentors, people. You guys have to pay attention to what she's teaching you and how she's teaching it to you. And she's bringing some phenomenal people on these podcasts. If you're not taking notes, you should be. If you haven't taken notes, you need to go back and listen to this. And go back through these highlighted podcasts that Laurel's been doing and get involved in her business because she's surrounded herself by phenomenal professionals that are helping people go to the next level in their business and in their life. It's not just about business people, but if your business isn't in the right order, your life can't be right. So, Laurel, thank you for having me.
1: Oh, absolutely. And thank you, John. Those of you that are uh, out there listening, you have got to get a sales team. And, you know, way back in the day, um, I think it was 1996, I started my first sales floor, which was me, and I hired a setter, and then when that setter became good and they wanted to transition, and by the way, some setters, as you know too, John, some setters will want to become closers, and some setters are just good setters. So I hired a setter, she moved to a closer, she and I got several more setters, I and mean, 28 people later were into, well, well into an eight-figure business. Which was huge. So if you've enjoyed this uh, podcast, let us know over at AskLaurel.com, and we'll be back every week with more money talks, and Boy, we have a huge 2019. It's going to be an extraordinary year, so stay tuned.
0: Thanks for listening to the Real Money Talks podcast. Your host has been Laurel Langmire, author of five New York Times bestsellers, money expert on Dr. Phil, CNN, CNBC, The Street TV, Fox News, and The View. Want to learn more about off Wall Street investing, tax strategies, and multi million dollar business strategies?